So without further ado, you are in for a treat today. I am beyond excited and I want you to mark your calendar. I really do because I believe that you are going to hear something today that is going to change your life. And you're going to look back on this day and say, it was this day that I heard this remarkable woman and I have been forever changed. So again, without further ado, I'm going to introduce to you my wonderful guest, Anne Ramsdale. She is a master certified life coach, spiritualist, and biomedical scientist, a proverbial outside the box thinker, and draws upon 15 years of experience as both a breast cancer survivor and medical school and women's and gender studies professor. She offers exciting and often, oftentimes unexpected perspectives on health and disease. Anne is passionate about helping women navigate a cancer diagnosis and other life challenges. And she believes that healing is possible for everyone, no matter the diagnosis or prognosis. Through her innovative life coaching programs, retreats, and speaking engagements, Anne educates, empowers, and inspires women around the globe to take charge of their physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual well-being. In 2021, Anne was awarded her first breast cancer research patent. Wow. Anne has a second patent pending. Anne has been featured in multiple print and broadcast medias, including 2015 TED Ex Columbia, South Carolina. Is that a TED Talk? Remind it's a TEDx us, talk. Forgive me for being yeah. a TEDx talk. No, it's okay. a TEDx talk, yeah. A TEDx talk. Wow. Um, sorry for, um, I'm so excited. But um, let's see. Okay, a TEDx talk. Hollings Cancer Center Changing What's Possible campaign and Quanta Magazine. Did I pronounce that correctly? You did. Quanta, okay. Anne is thrilled to be an upcoming spokesperson for the forthcoming 2023 This Is MBC Imagine Project. When Anne is not busy coaching clients, speaking on stages, or consulting with biomedical grant writers, she can be found forest bathing, searching for taco trucks, and traveling the globe to share adventures and make memories with her favorite people. That is beautiful. <laughs> Again, Thank welcome, you. Anne. Thank you so much, Shell. It is such a pleasure and actually an honor, too, to be here for what I understand is the launch of your first amazing podcast program. So thank you yes. so much. I am so excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you for that, Anne. And Listen, y'all, I just want to say this real quick. I met, I had the honor and privilege, and I'm so deeply blessed by meeting this woman back in, I believe it was October of 2022. I met her in New York City at a speaking event. And let me tell you something. This woman delivered a speech that had the whole room running, screaming, like it was, it was insane. I was so blown away by her powerful story and her testimony 
that she stuck out in my mind. And when I was, I need you to know this, when I was creating um, this podcast, See It to Create Be It, which is all about showcasing resiliency, I was thinking, okay, who are the four people that I really, really love to talk with? And you were the you were the first person that came to my mind because I was like, you have such a powerful testimony that if I could, if I could just in some way be a conduit of that light, like I know that somebody listening to this is going to be blessed by hearing your story today. So again, I just want to say thank you for showing up. Thank you for working with me behind the scenes to actually make this happen. Um, I just appreciate you. I appreciate you. Thank you, Shell. The feeling is entirely mutual. And what I really loved about connecting with you in New York City was just feeling your energy and your commitment to taking the things that you've learned and figured out and developed from your experiences and figuring out how to pass that on to others. And I really um, felt that energy about you, all about empowering others to get themselves out of their situations. And I just really loved that. It was, it was a beautiful experience. Also, just the other participants in that uh, that New York City experience. Um, I think that, that what drew us all together was really yes. um, wanting to empower other women and each other and lift and figure out ways yes. of disseminating our gifts through story. It was just a phenomenal experience and I am so glad that you and I connected. Yes, yes. Likewise, likewise. I I have so many questions. I you have such a rich history, and I just want to start by asking because I was I was thinking about this last night, and I was like, I have to ask this question. As a breast cancer thriver, I won't say survivor. I'm going to say thriver, and medical school professor, you have a unique perspective on health and disease. Can you share with um, share with everyone, like some of the most important lessons you've learned about healing and resiliency through your personal and professional ex, um, experiences? Yeah, I would love to. Thank you for asking that question, Chanel. Um, I think, I mean, I learned a lot. So to reduce it down to one is, is a bit difficult. But I think the thing that's at the forefront is learning how to fight, if you will, through the art of surrender. That is um, really what both of my breast cancer experiences taught me. So I had breast cancer the first time back in 2009. And it was, it was stage three, so it wasn't imminently fatal, but it wasn't, you know, um, decisively curable. It was that in-between. And I knew very little about the disease. Um, but what really helped me get through that first experience was fighting it through becoming curious about it. So one of the first things I started to do, remember I'm a scientist, and so I went into the biomedical literature. It's like, okay, if this thing is going to take me out, at least let me get to know it. <laughs> get to know my enemy, if you will. And so that's what launched like the whole career switch into breast cancer research. I had no breast cancer biology in my background or you know any cancer biology training. Um, but it was really 
instead of, you know, just sitting there and fighting the reality, um, it was like, okay, how am I going to respond to this? What am I going to do with this? And so, you know, being a scientist, I think I'm naturally curious. And, you know, I had a laboratory, I had instruments, I had equipment, I had the ability to read about the disease and to think about it. So why not? So I just went back to my lab and started essentially playing, if you will. That was the first time. Wow. And then the wow. second time, um, that was back in 2020. So I experienced metastatic recurrence, which is um, terminal. So it's considered incurable. And well, you know this story from us being in New York City together. I didn't want to fight the second time. It was really clear to me that I just wanted to kind of peace out. You know, the, the prognosis was very grim. And um, so I was like, okay, I'm not going to fight this reality. I accept this. And I want to go out lovingly and purposefully and hopefully painlessly. And so I really um, was, I actually even initially declined treatment. <laughs> That's how wow. much I did not want to fight. Yeah. And so what happened? So so talk, let's talk about that. So yeah. you, if, if it's okay to talk about that. Of course. There's nothing off the yeah. table here. It's, it's totally okay, fine. good. So so what was the switch? What what made you yeah. decide to so fight? Or was it a decision to fight? Or no, no, I'm still not fighting. <laughs> I'm a fighter who fights through surrender. So what happened was um, yes. I had, I was on sabbatical at the time. And, uh, you know, 2,000 miles away from my kids, and the prognosis was grim. And this coincided, actually, with um, the world getting ready to shut down for quarantine. Right. Was, that was right at COVID, right? Right at the height of February, COVID. March 2020, right? Yeah. Wow. So the world was all of a sudden highly unpredictable and unstable. And it was like, oh, okay, so I'm just going to go be with my people and, you know, have a nice goodbye. That was really my focus. And so, you know, I arranged things. I, I literally gave everything away except for what I could put into a couple of suitcases in the trunk of my car and uh, rented a furnished home uh, initially for five months because I thought, okay, I'm going to die in about three months, but it'll be nice to have that buffer because it's a beach house and it's COVID and at least people can like if they're going to travel for a funeral or something, they'll have a nice place to hang out. What a great place for people to gather. Wow. That didn't happen, right? And at some point, it made me really angry, like super angry. I was like, come on, maker, dude. That's what I call divine source when I'm uh, less reverent. <laughs> so like, you were on, upset dude. that you did he didn't take you? I was angry. Yes. I was like, look, man, I'm in this dance with you. I'm not fighting, uh, you know, like I'm, I've made the arrangements. I'd even like, like jokingly, but not jokingly started texting people like save the date. <laughs> I was like wow. everything. I was really in my peace show. And wow. so it felt like the rug got pulled beneath me again. Like, okay. The first was the diagnosis. Oh, okay. Well, all right. This is the reality. What am I going to do with it? Well, I'm going to go out in the way that I want to go out. Didn't happen. 
And I was like, come on, dude. I gave up my job. I gave up everything I owned. I gave up my expectation to live. Like, what the hell is this? I started getting really argumentative with him. And then, so that went on for about, I would say a good solid six months. And then it occurred to me, wait a minute, Anne, you're getting further away from your intention. You wanted to go out lovingly, purposefully, painlessly, and you're sitting here stirring this up, creating pain and anguish, right? On top mm -hmm. of it. So that's not good. And the conversation started shifting. I was like, I'm sorry, dude. Like, can we like hit the reset button? <laughs> and the conversation shifted. And I started really paying attention to my healing. And by that, I mean my emotional and my mental and spiritual well-being. So I really just doubled down on um, deepening those areas in my life. And, you know, a year went by, I was still here. And I was like, well, it's time to resume living. So I moved back across the country again. And here I am in Seattle. Wow. So you surrendered. I surrendered. I surrendered. Yeah. Wow. That is so beautiful. That is so beautiful. And you said, when you said um, that... the enemy you you were mm -hmm. like fighting the enemy the inner yeah. me were fighting your inner self yes really yes it was my inner self that wow. was creating the extra anguish and pain that i was experiencing that then perpetuated the anger and it continued the argument and you know I got really stuck in that spin cycle for a long time. Wow. Tacos wow. help. And that's important. Oh yes. They always do. <laughs> and the ice cream truck and all of that. Yeah. There's also, you know, that healing element of being in nature. Um that is still very much a big part of my life too. You know, going out there and getting by surrender, what I really mean, Shell, is not only really accepting the reality of the circumstances, but also surrendering to guidance from divine source. So what, you know, in the, the, the physical world, surrender to the reality. The reality was I had every reason to believe that I was going to die. Um, so you prepare. And when you get guidance otherwise, you listen and you surrender to that. So while I was sitting on that beach for the second half of the year, I started praying. And um, the prayer that I said, let me live my purpose. If I'm still here, let me live my purpose. And I was utterly perplexed as to what my purpose was going to be. And I got two answers, Joe on two different days. The first one was go. And that was in early February of 2021. And I was like, where? He didn't tell me where. He just said go. And I was like, he okay. Just said go. So I went to Alaska. Wow. 
I was like, you know, Alaska's on the bucket list. The Northern Lights, maybe if I go pray beneath the, the Northern Lights, I'll get a little more instruction. I didn't on where to go. But anyway, I ended up in Seattle. And then the second guidance that I got was teach. And I was like, oh, okay. So oftentimes the information that we get from that guidance is scant. And it can be difficult to trust the process of surrendering to it. Um, But I think that that's never steered me wrong. I'm really thinking, I can't think of a single example, Chanel, of when I have listened to Divine Source and it's led me astray. It may not always lead me where I want to go, but it always gets me where I need to be. Yes, that is so beautiful. That is so beautiful. And that is that really speaks to the power of, like you said, when you can't think of a single time. And I have that same, I can say the same thing. Like I can't think of a single time that I listened to what I felt was God speaking to me and putting something on my heart that I can't think of one time that I did that and things went wrong. I can tell you many times that I didn't listen to it and things went wrong. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I have have a list of those too. Yeah. Oh, I have a long list of that. And you know, that is funny because that is something I actually had a, a recently had a conversation with my oldest son about because I believe that our, our heart is our spiritual ear. And that's why that word ear is in the word heart. Mm. I believe that that is your spiritual ears. And when God puts something on your heart, it can often be very subtle and it's not loud. You know, it could be a very soft spoken voice, but we always have that as a, as a guide, as a guide, you know, and when you listen to it and when you get quiet and sometimes things are chaotic in your life, I believe that's when God will put you in a in a timeout, so to speak, and shut you off from people, right? A season of isolation where you can become uh, free from distractions to hear that voice. Yes. Wow. Absolutely. And that's, that's why right. I go into nature so much is to um, really clear the airwaves. <laughs> to get mm-hmm. away from mm-hmm. all of this stuff and to just be out in the woods and to commune with the wow. trees. The divine is in the trees too. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what? I think a lot of people don't realize how important it is when you're going through a tough time, when you're going through a hardship of some sort to get in nature. It is so important to be connected to things that are living, right? Yes. It, 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 it is so important to be, to, to place yourself in that type of environment, to let the sunshine hit your face. Sometimes when I'm having a bad day, the one thing I, I, I really look to do is going out and just let the sun hit my face. I may not even be in a mood to go walk, but I'll go somewhere and just sit in the sun and get recharged. Yes. I know that feeling. So Chanel, when I, when the recurrence happened for the first few months, I was so physically weak that um, I could only leave my bed for maybe a few hours a day. So I could shower, 
but then I would have to immediately lie down because I didn't even have the energy to clothe myself and I live alone. Um, but what I learned during that early period was how to um, still experience pleasure and connection and joy, even from a bed or a chair and feeling sunlight on my cheeks, even just coming through a window brought me immense pleasure on the days that I just did not feel well. Hearing the birds wow. singing, you know, um, having plants in the home. There are ways to still connect. And so I'm, in a way, it's going to sound weird, but I'm kind of grateful that I learned how to do it on that I, I scale. Like that may not be the right word, but in those circumstances, how to adapt and still yes. have those same emotional experiences and connections. Yeah. That's amazing. That is, that is so powerful. And I believe, is that some of the things like, is that what you teach women that you, that you counsel or that, you know, become a part of your program? Can you talk a little bit about your program and, and what you do? Because I know you work with um, breast cancer thrivers, people who are, who have received that diagnosis and how do you help them move through that? Yeah, so it really depends. I, I always start wherever the client shows up. And I don't know until she arrives. Um, I'm very focused on letting the client lead. So they are the experts on their lives. And they know best what the ideal outcomes are for them and the things that they desire and the things that they need. And so we start there, just where are you? Are there fires that need to be put out? You know, like do you have immediate urgent needs? Um, and then we move um, into what I call emotional uh, uh, fluency. So I teach women how to feel their feelings. I know that sounds odd, but emotions are physical sensations in our bodies. And those physical sensations, once we can start tapping into them, we can begin to understand the reason for the emotion. So emotions, I'm going to paraphrase a beautiful body of work by one of my favorite authors, Carla McLaren. Her book is called The Language of Emotions. Um, in a general sense, each emotion carries a message for us. So for example, fear anxiety, you know, there are various flavors of fear. The message there is change is happening. And so if you dial into that fear and acknowledge it and go, yeah, instead of fighting it, we don't suppress it, we don't power over it, we don't ignore it, we acknowledge it and go, okay, fear, I hear you. I feel you. What is your message for me? Why do you want my attention? Okay changes on the horizon. Now the coaching can be done. Questions about, well, what is the change that's on the horizon? Are you adequately prepared for it? Are you adequately resourced? What do you need? Etc. Does that make sense? But makes if perfect we sense. ignore our emotions or power over them, we're throwing the proverbial baby out with the bathwater. We need that data. We need that information. It is there 
to help us, even if it doesn't feel good. The reason it doesn't feel good is it's trying to get our attention. <laughs> it's like saying, hey, it's like that little toddler going, hey. Right. And, and here comes surrender again, right? Being open to surrender to the truth and yes. how to process that and move through it yes. gracefully. Wow. Yes. Yes. That exactly. is powerful. That's, that is the surrender component around emotions is to be just super fucking honest. Like yeah. I am feeling this in my body. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and when I work with clients, we actually, you know, I, I, I guide them to describe those physical sensations because just like our cars have warning indicators, that's what emotions are mm-hmm. for a body. And so the more you understand your body and how emotions feel in your body, the more you are primed to go, oh, I know what's happening here. That's my friend anger or that's my friend anxiety. Okay, I'm going to slow down and have a mm-hmm. conversation and figure out what I want to do about it. That is the art of surrender rather than fighting it. Oh, I'm angry. Oh, no, 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 no. And I'm going to do this and I'm going to do mm-hmm. no. mm-hmm. Pause. Surrender for a moment. 